0: Hey, guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up
1: Bolts Podcast. Much love. Aight.
2: Here's what's coming up this week from the Charged Up Bolts Podcast.
1: Put on the kettle, get some tea, get comfortable. A disco forklift truck. Stop me if you've heard that before.
2: They were hiding on the tables and saying, have some of that, mate, have some of that. JoshuaKellyForPresident.com.
0: The Chargers.
2: Hello and welcome to the Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez. And on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news. We preview and review every Chargers game. And we give you the hottest takes around. Fantastic, we are 1-0. Week 1's done. The Chargers comfortably beat the Bengals 13-16. It was never in doubt. No fan, even sweated even a little bit, <laughs> thinking we were going to lose. Sure, surely not. Um, and uh, and we're it's in the bag. 1-0, done. So um, I'm joined by my three amazing co-hosts, as always. The first up, introducing Mr Sweep, John Moss Jr. Good evening, Yeah, uh, You've got uh, a big episode ahead of you, mate, to justify oh, some yes. things you said in the past. I'm <laughs> um, brilliant. I'm also joined by the chairman of the Turod Taylor Fan Club, I'll be holding him to account on that matter, <laughs> Mr John Ayres.
1: I have no comment at this time. <laughs> 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 oh, and dear. last,
2: but by no means least, the man who um, uh, sorry, alleges on Twitter that Randy Bullock was faking the whole injury, Dan King. It's,
3: it's up in the air. Who knows?
0: <laughs>
2: Which leg? Which leg did you say? Yeah. Um, what we drinking to celebrate being one of no
0: boys? I've got a nice ice-cold glass of Cronenberg 6064 with a water chaser, of course. Oh, wait.
1: A <laughs> oh, little uh, vodka and snake bite over here. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> just uh, just, just my usual coffee. But um, in, in celebration of the victory, we did uh, make some of our own uh, homemade salted caramel syrup so it is an extra sweet little treat for me today that's how i'm celebrating
3: whereas i've gone for a disco forklift truck mango pale ale (laughs) those are are words that don't really go together that's what this of random drinks man (laughs) disco forklift (laughs) truck
1: do you, do you just walk into like the, the local market and go, what is the most random thing that you have on your shelf? Because I want to drink that. <laughs> I,
3: I, I did. I went food shopping this evening, saw it on a shelf, and I thought, this will make a good podcast drink.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, well, I've gone for Gamma Ray, which is slightly less obscure than what you've gone for, but I love the Beaver Town Brewery, so I got me a, my cheeky Gamma Ray having a, a nice celebratory drink, and I'm glad... You know, I'm joined by uh, some fellow alcohol drinkers instead of the Water Brigade was. <laughs> um, but, you know, first of all, let's let's review um, the Bengals game. We want to know, it's in the bag, however we got there, however much we were on the edge of our seats as usual. It's just, I think, nice that we've been on the end of so many one-score defeats over the last few years and this time uh, the Colts have to suffer that with Rivers at the helm, whereas we win the turnover battle and we get a squeaky bum victory so you know however they come as, as anthony lynn said in his locker room speech you win, you lose more than you win or every win needs to be treasured so um, i'll take that um listeners i'm going to come to you guys um spot on the predictions so um a few polls were put out to our followers charges close win tick Bengals to score in the teens, tick, and Chargers to score in the teens. So well done, listeners. You nailed your predictions for this first game of the season. But how did we do? Um right. Was you said 631 to the Chargers. You also said Jags would go 0 16, so I'm I'm giving you two <laughs> strikes. Don't oh, listen brilliant. to this man. Um well, John, you said 1320. Not far off at all. That's a pretty damn good score. And I'm also going to give you props for your Kelly hype, saying that he would be the RB2, um even if it would be late in the season, They're a bit earlier, but it came true. So pat on, double pat on the back there. So nice one, John.
1: I'll, oh, I'll take that after taking some pretty bad beats on Tyrod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting
2: you off on that one. You got Kelly right. You can't be right in everything. Um, Dan, you also said 1320. so well done on, a, on Coming close. Um, you did, however, say that Mixon would punish us, um, and actually, you know, his fumble, which he rarely does, according to all the commentators, oh, um, never was, does, never does. He never fumbles. Um, was one of the main reasons why uh, why we won. So no, I'm calling him out on that one. Um, yeah,
3: that's that's fair.
2: <laughs> but I, guys, am taking Predictor of the Week, and I don't care. It's, it's my award to hand out, and I'm handing it out to myself, so sue me. My score was 14-17 in the predictions, so I was one point off on each team. And I also said, if you remember last week, that I thought Tillery would get the first sack. He did. So I'm taking I'm taking both of those and handing myself the award. Um, but what I want to know from you guys, having watched the game, and I believe, you know, been back and reviewed it, what were your biggest takeaways? I want to hear some positives, some negatives. Um, what you got for me? First positive,
0: I think, is the generally the defence, um, other than the Joe Burrow uh, rushing touchdown, which I think was avoidable. I think the defence uh, stuck at it. Um, it's good to see Kenneth Murray flying around. He didn't look phased by the big occasion on his pro debut. <clears throat> I think Linval Joseph caused havoc up the middle and allowed... Um, Bosa uh, and Ingram to actually get some pressure onto uh, Joe Burrow. And I think we didn't let Burrow have too much uh, time uh, in the pocket. And I think that was the key to the game, really, getting pressure on a new quarterback. I think Melvin Ingram, you know, don't underestimate that turnover, that pick, absolutely fantastic, and it came at the right time. But generally, I thought the defence were really good. Um, massive concerns to the offence. I don't know what was going on. We didn't seem to find any rhythm until the fourth quarter. Uh, we looked okay playing out the pistol. I think Eckler, they, they, they were using him uh, in the same plays, right up the middle. It became very predictable. Uh, and if you look at the the actual stats, I think Hunter Henry had more receptions than anybody else. I mean, Austin Eckler, one reception for one yard. Looking at what he did last year, that, that's almost criminal. And I think St- Shane Steichen... I've got to address that. He's got an awful lot of uh, work to do between now and Sunday's game against the Chiefs. But look, a win's a win. And if you think about it, unprecedented. There's been very little uh, uh, time to prep no scrimmages with other teams um no preseason i mean these guys have had 30 minutes of football on offense yeah you
2: take your wins when you get them yeah. and in this season in particular don't you yeah yeah
0: exactly you know and there's a lot of people out there uh, ex pros and journalists that fancy the bengal's to win it wasn't as one sided as, as as what we were thinking it was going to be it, it was a good test um and i'm just pleased that we come out the other side with a win hopefully the the chargers go away now and, and address everything um that needs improvements on. But, uh, you know, other than that, I think we're going to have to be patient with the offense, but I think Justin Herbert, his time might be coming sooner rather than later.
2: He's coming on board the Herbert train.
1: <laughs> well, um, I have to agree with you there was, I mean, I, I doubt we're going to have too many people with a different opinion of that game. I mean, obviously the defense really showed out for us. Um, you know, I, I was obviously devastated when I saw um, the injury news come, come across my feed for Derwin James, and it was something that was troubling. But at the end of the day, I wasn't overly concerned because I knew this defense was better than it was last year, stronger than it was last year, even the year before that. Um, and I just think that even without Derwin, it is a top 10 defense in the league, and I think they proved it out. I mean, just if you look at some of the statistics from uh, from the game, you know, you're, you're talking about the fifth most, fifth least rushing yards allowed in the league. That's that's a pretty good stat, especially when uh, they were supposed to be getting eaten up by Joe Mixon, I believe. Um, they uh, they also allowed, um, you know, as far as points go, there's only four other teams that allowed more uh, that allowed less points than them. Uh, this this defense. Uh, all out altogether the eleventh uh, least amount of yards. So altogether, you're talking about some really impressive stats there. Two two interceptions, multiple sacks, lots of hurries. Th- this defense was really really good. And the only touchdown they gave up, I agree with you, was it was kind of a a misplay there. It was uh, actually it was everyone's kind of favorite hype guy, Nas. Uh, I think taking a bad angle and end up kind of tripping over his own guy, uh, allowing Burrow to make that. If, you know, I guess sadly, if Derwin James was in there, I think Derwin James hits him hard, and I don't think he make he scrambles in for that touchdown. So, you know, that's just something to consider um, moving forward. Is that you know we still have maybe some issues there in the, on, in the safety. But the rest of the defense looks amazing. Uh, from the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I was really impressed with our offensive line, to be honest. They they had some injuries coming, leading right up to the game. I, I'm sure that I'm not the only one who got very, very concerned when I started seeing news that uh, Brian Bulaga, Tri Turner, uh, were, uh, Dan, or Mike Pouncey were all I was sweating, John.
2: I was sweating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, and then, so, you know, they had to shuffle everything around. And, you know, to me... Dan Vini had an, a great uh, opportunity to step in as the backup center, and which I believe the team views him as the center of the future. I don't think Pouncey comes back after this year. Uh, and he, I, to me, he did a rock-solid job there in the middle. Forrest Lamp, who I've you know mentioned that I've really liked and just want to see him get a chance. He got a chance, and he looked pretty bad early. I'm not going to lie. There are a few really... Bad um, pass protection sets for him where he either was missing his assignment or he just his feet didn't look right and he just was kind of a little, a little over his head. Um, but I think he settled down much like some of the other offensive linemen uh, over the course of the day. Sam Tevi had a good day, which is you know surprising, I guess. Maybe not, maybe Campin is the um, say, James <laughs> Campen, MVP. Campin,
0: yeah, we've got to yeah. give him credit for this. You know, we've, yes, got, we've we got to give and credit because you know it's no coincidence there that we've brought in this new offensive line coach and we've had to shuffle the pack and everyone's come out of it looking good so yeah
1: exactly i think that was great i think shining moment obviously my boy uh joshua kelly uh, when he finally got an opportunity, um, he showed out. You know, it, it took a Justin Jackson injury. Well, you know, stop me if you've heard that before. Um, Justin Jackson injury. Um, I think Kelly had maybe two carries in, in the first half. And then the second half, he had an, uh, an additional 10. And he did a lot with them. He scored the only touchdown of the game. He looked good. He looked explosive. He, he looked like the type of running back you want to give a lot of those, you know, just straight stumps up past the right or left guard, up the middle. Um, Those kind of handoffs should be going to Joshua Kelly, not Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is not going to be his best self if you're consistently trying to jam him uh, up the middle of the line. But didn't we get the ball in his hand
2: once, John? And and that isn't his game, is it, between the tackles?
1: No, it's not. I think his best running plays were when he was, you know, when the handoffs had him going out wide um, or there was a nice little little, uh, QB option there. Where he a little flipped out, a little flip pitch to Eckler, he gained I think like 12 yards on that play as well. I mean, anytime you saw Eckler headed towards the outside of the offensive line and trying to get around the edge, you saw him making plays. Every time you saw him try to take a little you know RB dive up the middle, best case scenario was three to four yards. It's just not his game. It's not what he's meant to do.
0: It looked like um, Eckler when Melvin Gordon came back to last year, was it week six or seven? And Eckler's productivity just sort of uh, disintegrated that's what it reminded me of um, they've got to look at all that tape and, and redress that immediately
2: well they made they yep. try to make him be an RB1 and he's not he is the second guy he's a talented second guy but not necessarily in um you know downgrade his his ability to to participate. But you don't run him up the middle on first and second down. You get him in space and he needs somebody to run people over. And J.K. stepped in. So, you know, let's see more of him. Who
0: was that dude that J.K. ran into, uh, bowled him over? Um, I can't remember who the linebacker was, but... but Oh, yeah. I
2: I don't think he can remember his own name at this (laughs) point.
0: (laughs) Joshua Kelly. I mean, he's he's got something about him. It'd be interesting to see how he's incorporated into um, Sunday's game plan.
1: I'm hoping a lot more. I mean, my, my favorite play has to be the um, the run where he was he was going to the just behind the left guard and mm-hmm. uh, some blown assignments there or something because there were three Bengals right there where his hole was and he hit <laughs> he ran into them bounced off and spun around and oh, then g- gained another move. 15. I mean that was it was gorgeous. I mean he's not gonna break a bunch of ankles. That that is not his game. But he's got really really good power. He's got really, really good contact balance, in my opinion. That's what I scouted and saying. I thought, oh, he's got great contact balance. And when you can do that, you can bounce off guys, and you can you know, burst it out to the outside. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you've got that guy contained. You had a guy on the outside, you had a guy on the inside, and you had a guy right in his face. I mean, you've got him contained, and he bounces off your tackles, and now there's nobody else to take him out because everybody's committed to that tackle right there. I mean, that is, mm-hmm. that is just infuriating for a defensive coach to see, and yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more of that from him. So
0: that, that's that all would, great. I I mean sorry go
1: on, joe no i was gonna say i just can't i would be remiss though if i didn't talk about to taylor i think he just had an awful game he was really really bad i mean he he had a completion percentage of what 53.8 percent, i believe was was the final number mm-hmm. which well below his his standard um you know he's usually in the mid 60s in completion percentage uh he just he, he he looked bad he looked out of rhythm early um he got into a little bit better rhythm uh, later on but i mean i rewatched all of the offensive plays multiple times from that game, or as I like to call it, the boring part of the game. Uh, (laughs) So I just watched the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I was tracking. And looking at his throws, he had 33 passes attempted during the game. And of those 33 passes that he attempted, this is not going to be pretty. He had 19 pretty well-placed balls uh, and 14 Bad, play, badly placed balls, and I was trying to be generous too. I was trying to say, okay, well, just because it wasn't exactly, you know, in the bread, it was, it wasn't a bad pass. But if, if it goes he, in the
2: same half of the field as the wide receiver, yeah, it's a it good just,
1: ball. Yeah, I mean, some of them were just atrocious, and you know, a lot of the completions he had. I mean, his completion percentage should probably be or probably less than 50%, but Mike Williams, oh my God, did he show out. He Mm -hmm. made some amazing plays. Some of them weren't even catches, like that corkscrew in the beginning of the game, uh, right at the sideline. Unfortunately, he couldn't get his feet in, but that's the kind of stuff he had to do. He was consistently jumping up and and grabbing balls out of the air for no reason. I mean he's running a he's running a 5-yard slant route, a right across the middle, the guy's trailing him by at least half a yard. He's got plenty of space just put it right in front of him. Uh, but no, he's got to stop and jump and catch the ball. You know, like it's just it it, it was not it was not good. I'm 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 really going to chalk it up to him just having a poor game because I just it, it, it was really frustrating to see. And I am a big proponent of not seeing Justin Herbert at all this season, letting him really learn. Um, if you want to get him live reps, get him some reps at the end of a game against, well, maybe not the Jaguars. Apparently, they're, they're first place in their division. Um, but, <laughs> who would uh, thought? I who think, thought? I
0: mean, I think going back to last week, I think Dan mentioned it with the tight ends getting them more involved. I mean, Dan, what did you think of Hunter Henry's performance?
3: Uh, Hunter was Hunter. Was Hunter. Um, in in the easiest way of putting it hunter was hunter he he what he led the team in receptions led the team in receiving yards uh had a fair share of the targets fewer than uh big mike but um he was just reliable um but hunter henry's not my my kind of focus on where this week went well um i, I want to shine some light on those linebackers after Tranquil went down, um, unfortunately, really early with what is now confirmed to be a broken fibula in his awful. left leg. Um, hopefully only about three months, so he'll be back in time for the playoffs. Um, yes. <laughs> optimism there. Yes. <laughs> uh, after he went Love down, it. Vigil came in, Vigil stepped up. you would got Vigil, Perryman and um, Murray, obviously Murray. Um all playing their part, all involved. Murray was flying around the place, throwing in tackles. I think he came, what he was second on team in tackles behind Casey Hayward, um, and that's partly because they were throwing at Casey Hayward a lot. Um, but I think the linebackers uh, made a good account of themselves. My my kind of negative takeaway on it. I'm I'm going to focus on the defense again, um, and the play calling for that final drive of the Bengals now a lot of it was um, no huddle so I don't want to put too much blame on the players I don't really want to put any blame on the players because it's week one it's at the end of a game there's mm. been no preseason. everyone's kind of just getting into form um, but it just got so conservative and it it seemed to be we'll let them throw it 10 yards we'll just they tackle look tired. Bounce.
2: Yeah. bounce oh, I hate containing it they the look the game. tired yeah
3: yeah, it was it was a lot of contain, a lot of tired contain. And it was just like, well, we've been able to stop them. We've got plenty of guys. We've got timeouts. Um, but it was just, we'll let them keep doing what they're doing. And yeah, it just, I mean, it worked if, out in the end, but it if wasn't you think I about it,
0: If you think about it as well, players like Kenneth Murray have never been in that situation in the NFL where the are offence, uh, you know, in, in a no huddle and the clock's you know winding down and there's that sort of energy and increased tempo from the offense now had derwin james been there his leadership you know further further back in in the backfield may have um contributed to a bit more of a inhibition against that drive but you're absolutely right it, it, it worried me and you could see that the, the the players are flagging i think we, yeah, we got oh, away definitely. really lightly
2: and didn't they do a good job with the no-huddle of keeping Joey Bosa off the off the field for a period of time? Oh, I yeah. saw him desperate to get back. Um, I don't know why. I think he'd had a breather or something. But, you know, that was a good job by them. Um, and I think it was um, Casey Hayward or someone made a tackle and then sort of oh, just sat on the defensive player to allow enough time yeah. for Bosa yeah, to exactly. get Sat on him to hand the ball back to look. the ref just to
3: give that extra few seconds.
2: You, you've quality. got to do that.
0: And, and if, you yeah. look at, if you look at uh, soccer down the years... Good teams like Manchester United, and Roy Keane—they stood over the ball. You, you know they were, and, and I know in the NFL you don't really, you don't really get in the zebra's ears like soccer players doing the referee. But you've got to learn all these tricks of the trade just to buy a little uh, two or three second uh, chunk. I know? like it.
2: Gus Bradley's new defensive strategy: sit on a referee.
0: But going back to <laughs> Bosa, it, for me, he's arguably the, the, the fittest of the. Uh, the 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 front uh, defensive players, in my opinion. So, Especially
3: with his new stretching regime.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, the the the, the guy's a machine. You know, you, you'd think that he, he can do a little bit more. Everyone's got their limits, but it's an old saying in the military, you've always got 5%, 10% more to give, and, and Bosa, with his age group, certainly got that. Melvin's the wrong side of 30, so maybe you could argue that he hasn't, but, you know,
2: Bosa's a machine. But, yeah... Um, Let's see what happens next week. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Well, well, my my biggest takeaway is the negative. Obviously, was was Drew Tranquil going down. I was excited about the the lad. I thought he was gonna have a big year. I didn't see him to be the kind of player that'd have a sophomore slump. Um, he only played what was it five five snaps. Um, but I was noticing him light up on on, on the field, and then six obviously, snaps if
3: you count his leg.
2: Oh. Oh,
3: oh, 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 I felt Ouch. bad saying that. But, that uh, I couldn't brutal. let it go. <laughs> brutal,
2: brutal. Um, but you know, again for the second week, I'll send our, our messages from this podcast to to Drew. Um, we wish you a speedy recovery. We hope to see you this season. Get well. Um, come back, um, and we, we'll be rooting for you. But it was it was a big blow, and I actually thought it took the wind out of us as a team for a while. Um, don't want to make any excuses for us, but. Um, there was a period after his injury went down that we looked like we might be in shock a a bit um, and but then the team picked it up Um, on the flip side I think the positives um, from my point of view will be my man Tillery who I predicted to get that first sack he looked like the first round pick that he didn't look like last year he was dominant Um, he won his matchups his one-on-ones in particular he was around the quarterback there was a there were um, there were periods where I thought, geez, you know, it's Joey Bosa. There's two on the line because he was hunting their running back down from behind. He t- he had a great leg swipe tackle of Burrow to stop about 15 yards. He was causing mayhem and he got uh, he got that sack. And I thought, wow, that's who we drafted. The potential. It's taken a while to unlock. Did you? It was did a disappointment you... last year.
0: The Bengals' uh, second drive in the second quarter, I think think it was Tillery that uh, hit uh, Burrow, nice quarterback hit. That knocked the stuffing out of Burrow, and I I want to see a lot more of that, especially against Pat Mahomes.
2: And one thing I've noticed, yeah, I 100% agree, and and one thing I've noticed is, is Bosa seems to be having an influence. Maybe I'm reading in too much, but I see a lot of Bosa traits that we know he has and that we've seen for the last few years coming in to other members of the defensive line, this aggressive in your face, which is which is fantastic to see from from Joey. Um that that, that play when he absolutely thudded Burrow and oh, just yeah. launched him. Yeah. He was like, no mate, you are not gonna throw yeah. on me. Bang. He's... And then Tillery did the same thing three slaps snaps later. And I was thinking to myself, There's a there's a very distinctive Bosa feel to this unit. I love it. Um he's making everyone around him better. Um, I think
0: um, obviously we, we've lost Philip Rivers with a trash talking. I know Jerry Bosa got into it. Uh, I think we need a bit more of that because it does get under your skin. Not every player likes that, you know. And I, and I think let let's use that to our advantage. You're going to get it back. There are going to be certain players that are going to counter that, you know. But um,
2: and it needs to come from team leaders. You know, yeah, you need yeah. people that are good at their game, t- leading the team, captains and experienced pros, being a bit chippy. Because if you get a young guy, a rookie doing it, they haven't got any leverage and they just get laughed at or end up in a bit of an isolated scuffle with someone. But when you get a Bosa sacking Burrow and getting up in the face of their right tackle and saying, have some of that, mate, have some of that, it G's everyone up and it puts the other John, team on the back foot.
0: I'd like to see what John's take is on, on seeing... Um... Tyrod in the fourth quarter. It didn't seem to be paying any attention to his offense. He didn't seem to study the playbook. He just sat there in his own thoughts. What do you What do you make of that?
1: I mean, I. It's hard to say where his head is at. I, what I've been seeing in. You know, off-season clips and on hard knocks, you're seeing a guy out there who's really trying to be a leader, trying to really inspire the guys and just rally everybody around. And then you see something like that; it it can be very disheartening. It makes you wonder, like, okay, things are going bad for you. You know, are you just sitting there and sulking that they're going poorly, Um, or was there something else going on? I don't know. It, It feels... You know, it, it feels troubling that, that that's already going to be a discussion here. I, w- I would hope to see him on the sideline pepping people up, trying to get him excited, like, hey, you know, we can turn this around. Um, so I don't know. Uh, again, I, I really want to see what the game plan is for him and how he executes it uh, game two. You know, my, my hope is that what we saw in game one was a result of a shortened off season and, you know, them just trying to scale back the changes uh, and, and make a, a, a slower transition. But, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely is not a great scene, for me at least, to see him on the sideline like that. That's not what a leader does.
2: No, and, and, and we've already had the, the, the discussions from Lee and all the way through the draft that Herbert himself, as well, is an introvert. And Turod is, is a more considered, quieter voice. Um, and I, th- I saw that. What I loved to see in Hard Knocks was the, the leadership Turrod had when they cancelled the scrimmage. Um, And they've put their focus on on the racism and and Black Lives Matter movement. And I thought, there's a a calm and collected intellectual leader that people can respect. But you need fiery passion. You need to G up people and draw people in. And I don't see that with either of our quarterbacks. I think it's something that Herbert could develop. But if we don't have it from a quarterback, we need it from lots of other leaders. We need Bosa to be... He is quite a calm and collected kind of guy. Um, but I think on the field he needs to let his play do the talking and then back it up with some chat we need that and I I get Chris Harris seems to be that kind of guy as well Um, and there are some veteran leaders that can bring it but I don't think it's going to come from Turod himself guys um, you know we've, we've we've smashed around this this victory. At the end of the day, there are negatives. We got the win. We got the W. We want to know, and that's what you want to be at the end of week one. Um It keeps momentum going. We can improve. If we've won, and we, we've we got so much to improve on, um, as Lynn said, then the only way is up. Um But I'm going to put it to you now, and, and listeners, we're going to throw this to you on Twitter as well. Um Guys, I want your players of the week, one for, per person for offence, one per person for defence. What we're going to do is take... All our four uh, nominations, and we're going to stick it to Twitter to decide who the charged-up bolts, offensive and defensive players of the game, players of the week are. So um, I'm going to throw it out to Dan. Who is your, who are your offensive and defensive players of the week? So my my offensive
3: Hollywood hotshot is Dan oh. the mullet Feeney. Um, I like it such a strong game for him like no sacks or pressures stepped in whilst expecting to play guard played a few wobbly snaps here and there but for the most part had a had a great game Uh, and my defensive player is Denzel the head knocker Perryman Um, just for getting his head on the ball at the start of the fourth quarter really turning around the momentum that we would got there allowing us to go down and get the field goal to take the lead Um, and just he he didn't get the most tackles in the game. He didn't have the biggest presence, but you need someone to make that play to change the game.
2: Mate, that is a that is starting off bold. You know, who could argue with those two nominations? Um of the O-line, guy that changed the game from the defence, um, was. Do you agree or are you gonna throw out your own names? Well, my call
0: cool water, offensive player of the week. Goes to Tyrod Taylor. No, it doesn't. Um, (laughs) uh, Hunter Henry, um, I I think he did a great job. You know, we've already uh, elaborated the fact that he he led the uh, team in uh, reception yards. Um, He did everything that we expected him to. You just need to stay healthy. Um, Defensive player of the week, AJ Green. (laughs) So, no, it's Jerry uh, Tillery. I think he did a great job. Uh, we all expected Bosa and Melvin Ingram um, to step up, which they did. Uh, Jerry came in there and supported those those um, two elite pass rushers. So that that was really good to see.
2: I love it. Uh, John Ayres, who are you throwing out there for the public to decide upon?
1: Well, the uh, hashtag Audible Chocolate savoury sweet performer of the week on offense <laughs> has to be my boy, th- with the sweet moves and a little bit of a strong aftertaste of J K that's right. Mr. Joshua Kelly. Yes. Um, I just, it, he, he got an opportunity after Justin Jackson went down and he seized it. And I think that the, you know, especially with the news that, uh, the chargers are looking at other running backs for depth. I think that means that that quad injury is worse than, uh, we originally were led to believe at first, which means I think they're not going to have a choice you know, and I think they're going to have to play the rookie and I'm excited to see that. I mean, after seeing what happens when they try to jam Austin Eckler up the middle 19 times a game, (laughs) um, I think they realize that maybe that's not the best way to use him. So I think Joshua Kelly is more prominently featured. He had 12 carries. I think he probably gets somewhere close to that number again. I don't, I don't see them giving him a ton of carries um, because he is still a rookie and it'll only be his second game. Um, But I could see him definitely uh, 15 carries, Uh, for something like, you know, something like 75, 80 yards, uh, and and probably a a touchdown because I see us, you know, I I see them being able to score and and, and getting him near the goal line. And I think he becomes our primary red zone, uh, Mm -hmm. back, um, you know, to be honest though, I think they'd be better served running like a two back set in, in, in the red zone. Mixing up a little bit. Yeah. Well, having Eckler on one side and and Justin Kelly on the other side, because now you gotta wait. Wait, is this gonna go to you know having them both cross in front of? Because you gotta you gotta attribute for both, right? You can't you you can't just not look at Justin Kelly anymore. After that first game, it's not like oh the rookie's in there, he's gonna be a blocker. No, he's gonna get the ball, and I think defenses are gonna pay attention to him. So definitely gotta love him. And then of course on defense, I think uh, along the defensive line, um, I think the person who really created the most. Havoc um, is is my boy the refrigerator or the uh, Coke machine? <laughs> uh, Linval Joseph he's a big man he's a big dude he caused a lot of havoc. Everything he does is not showing up on the stat sheet or is it? I think that you know uh, Joey Bosa commented that they left their 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 tackle on an island uh, against him and he ate him up. And why is that? Why did he get an island? Because they had to figure out how to stop. The Coke Machine from breaking up the middle, and I think he exactly like I kind of had hoped as the preseason happened was I think he opens up the game for Ingram and Bosa and Tillery because there's so much focus on this big dude coming through the middle. So uh, he's got to be my defensive player of the game.
2: I, I love those takes. Um, I'm going different. I'm going to go for a guy that we all said on the last week, uh, last week's podcast that wouldn't even play. And yet, he's my offensive player, um, sponsored by Bermudez's edible headwear. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: uh, that sounds awful. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but this Mike Williams, uh, Mike W. He—he's not supposed to play, and he turns out. Jeez, the the show reel of of catches he made, even out of bounds, was incredible. What a talent! I've said this that he's the best contested um, catch player in the NFL not just that he 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 has such a wide radius great hands um, and he bailed us out because I think you said this earlier um John that he uh, that Tyrod probably would have been sub 50% if it wasn't for Williams bailing us out he was the only real deep threat on the field and he was a constant a constant worry for for their secondary so um that's my nomination on the defensive side of the ball um it's the official that called OPI on green in the end zone. <laughs> and I know, uh, I know, was that you said uh, green himself, but um, no, it's not really. But just just a word for the officials. That is the kind of call that gets missed nine times out of 10. And and thank God the, the official made that call. I didn't feel as if there were actually many calls that the, off, the officials got wrong. So um, it could have been that. But actually, I'm going to throw it out to Kenneth Murray, Jr., The rookie, he hasn't been mentioned that much, but I had a keen eye on him, I want to see. He started, he played the majority of the snaps, there were no times I thought he was a liability on the field, I thought at the early stages he was absolutely on it, sniffing out the run, coming downhill and hitting hard and getting himself tackles and around the ball, and I love to see it. I think he's got some work uh, in the passing game, which we know is not necessarily strength, but. Absolutely loved it. Straight in first round pick, and he's a starter on a great defense already. So that's my, that's mine.
3: I just want to jump in there and say we've spoken offensive and defensive, but we can't forget Mike Badgley didn't miss a game-winning field goal. So special teams, (laughs) he's up there.
0: Yeah,
2: good Oh god, he's got me worried. He was a bit worried. Special teams
1: has got me worried. Actually, I think uh, something that we didn't talk about. That I'm going to give a little bit of press to right now is this, mm-hmm. is the poor play on special teams, uh, penalties which hurt uh, the starting position for the offense, uh, poor punts which put the defense in a precarious position. To be honest, that the touchdown and uh, one of their field goals were a direct result of not of not only the offense mm-hmm. not being able to move the ball really well and and forcing it to be you know a long kick, but also the punting game just not being great. And some of that's on Ty Long. Some of that's just on the fact that he's he's got a lot of guys in his face, and they're not necessarily blocking the right way. So I think that uh, the special teams is really an issue that I think needs to be addressed, because we can't be giving a short field to the Chiefs. So just something else to... to They'll rip us
2: to shreds. And, of course, Dan, uh, especially for you, um, I don't know if you noticed the Ty long fake injury when he uh, punted (laughs) 30 yards. So they don't half love it, these kickers and punters. When things go wrong, it's uh, it's always their uh, tight hamstrings to blame. Um, So let's put to bed... Um, the game um, and our opinions but the listeners have come out so thank you for getting in touch um, and throwing some questions we're going to come up with some rapid fire responses to the hot topics you've thrown at us so guys what would it take for Anthony Lynn to lose his job that's from Tony in England thanks for your question Um let's go John Ayres
1: uh, I think it'd be pretty tough for it to happen too early I think um, I mean, I think they'd have to probably lose more games than they did last year. I think if there's not any kind of an improvement, I think that's going to be a problem. Um, I just I think that there is a lot of tumultion and a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes because of COVID that I think has given him some leeway. And I think his leadership um, during all this has really shown through. And I think that's something that's hard to... Hard to give up. I think if the Chargers lose more games than they did last year and if the offense doesn't make any kind of improvement, I think that's the other thing for me. Like, you know, you already fired one offensive coordinator. You decided to keep Steichen on as a coordinator instead of hiring somebody else with more experience. And if the, if the offense continues to be the reason that this team loses games, I think that, you know, Steichen probably goes and I think Lynn goes. Um, just because I, I, I don't think that, as a head coach, you can continuously blame everyone else around you. you know So those are the, like probably the only way. I think it's a very low mm-hmm. probability. I I think it's really hard for them to lose more than they did last year, given some of the um, soft spots on the schedule towards the middle of the year. But we'll see.
2: Dan, agree? Disagree?
3: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I obviously don't want to see it the way things currently are going. I think he's a great um, man, a great person. Um but I think if we if we win four or fewer, I think it, it at least has to come up if we only win four. If we win fewer then it's really got to be considered. Um, at least we've won one so um
2: <laughs> I, quarter of the way there for yeah
3: yeah I, I, I don't want to see him go unless it's with good reason and I think John covered it quite well there with um changes on the offense. if there's if there's just stagnation then something needs to change.
2: Was? I think there's a low
0: probability, I agree with John. Um, And I I think if we were to lose four or fewer games, I think there's mitigating circumstances, the COVID uh, pandemic, etc. But that's not the main reason why Lin would get the sack. I think he would have to do something completely out of character that would get his name in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Uh, A breach of protocol, but it's not in his DNA. He's a leader. You know, he leads by example, so... It has to be something completely off the cuff, outside of the sport. Um, you know, that's the only way I I see he would get fired. But I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think there's only one real set of circumstances. I think he needs to have had a time where Justin Herbert is quarterback. I don't see. I th- I think the taking Justin Herbert and moving on from Rivers was here. You go Lynn. We like you as a leader of men, and here is your here is your proper start with a new quarterback to drum your. Euro. Have a um, have,
0: sorry, go on, Buzz.
2: Yeah, and and I, I think that, that Justin would have to start and be a failure, and I think they'd probably get rid of the offensive coordinators and give Lynn one last chance with probably a couple of new guys promoted. And then if it really failed and Justin was a failure, they would restart the project with a, with a new head coach and probably a new quarterback. If you but if you
0: um, if you think about any sports team now, um, it's a project. And mm-hmm. if you look at my article on ChargedUpBolts.com on how the Chargers could f- learn from Liverpool's 19th Premier League success, that all stems from the GM finding the right head coach. In, in Liverpool, it's Jurgen Klopp. You know, he leaves by example. The players absolutely love him. If if, if Klopp says to Liverpool, we're training at uh, one o'clock in the morning, the guy's there at, at half past midnight. And I think the same can be said for, for Anthony Lynn. And I think that's where the comparisons are made, you know, and, and he might not get it right this year. He might not get it right next year, but I completely agree with you, Bez. This yeah, is and a where, long, where long term fa- future.
2: And where uh, exactly. can you find out more about Klopp being like Lynn? Would, the, would that be on charge.bolts.com? It would be on
0: charge.bolts.com
2: forward slash blog. Yes, it would. Um, right. That, thank you for your responses. Right. And brilliant, Tony, for your question. Keep, keep them coming in. Thank you. Um, I have a question coming up now from JKP on Twitter. Um, he says, should Kelly now be our RB1 in a more traditional role, allowing Eckler to do what he's good at and coming in on passing downs? It's too predictable that Eckler is n- coming in and not getting the ball in his hands. So guys, do we need Kelly to be promoted and be that traditional running back? I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, and I'm going to throw that out. Walsh, we'll come back in on that one. Yeah, 100%. And,
0: and I'll give you my reasons. Well, first of all, you've always got to have a plan B. What do you do if Eckler goes down? You know, you look at the receiver core. What do you do if Alan goes down? What do you do if one of the players, um, God forbid, contracts COVID? So they, you're not telling me that, that Anthony Lynn and Steichen's not already thought about this and they've, they've not schemed for it. Uh, it's in the playbook somewhere. It, it's an option. Whether it works or not, it's a different matter. Um But based on his performance from week one, I I don't really see an issue with it. It's just it's the little things. It's the details. It's the experience. That's that's the thing that's Mm -hmm. uh, sort of the the concern. But but as I said, based on his week one performance, let him roll.
2: Dan,
3: Um, I don't think he should replace Eckler as number one. I think they should kind of be one A, one B. Eckler is not a through the middle guy kelly is it works i like it Uh, i i wouldn't complain if we start off the game against the Chiefs with uh josh kelly run up the middle
2: (laughs) i love that take um and john ayres i'm going to give you a chance to talk about your favorite favorite topic which
1: is kelly go for it i don't know if i have much to say on this no, I'm just kidding. Of course, I got a lot to say. All right, everyone strap <laughs> everyone in. <needs laughs> no in. <laughs> everyone, to we in. this. Could be a while. Put on, put on the kettle. Get some tea. Get comfortable. In the it's about cream, you're maybe. about to get the full Joshua Kelly experience. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I think you guys make some good points. I don't, I don't know if Joshua Kelly's ready to be RB one. I think you know best case scenario is he's RB one B. I think you've got Austin Eckler as your RB one A. And I just think that they need to scheme it better. I think, you know, 12 carries is probably not a bad amount of carries for him. I think, like I said, 12 to 15 carries a game for Kelly. I'd also like to see them um, let him go on a few more routes out there. Let, let him uh, catch the ball. Because his hands are, are better than people give him credit for. People, I think they see the way that he hits the the whole hard, the way he's bouncing off defenders, the way he's trucking defenders. And you think, Oh, this guy's, you know, they they see, they think he's going to be a big bruiser. You know, they think he's going to be a Derrick Henry type guy. He's going to be a Nick Chubb type guy. You know, one of those guys, Jordan Howard, he's a straight line runner, but he's more than that. Uh, And he, he can catch the ball. And I think that that is something that is definitely not utilized in the first game. And I think they might be able to utilize it more in the second game, make him more of a dual threat, even though that's not his game. Uh, per se. I think Austin Eckler, though, I think he needs to get still something like 15 to 20 touches a game. You know, I think he needs to be out touching him. And that includes design throws, pitch outs, you know, still let, you know, Eckler run up the middle every once in a while, but don't do it, you know, for 75% of his his touches. That's just not his game. It's not going to go well for him. He needs to be in space. He needs an opportunity to create. He needs an opportunity to make people miss. He needs an opportunity to accelerate. And I think when you do see him have success running up the middle behind one of the guards, I think that is as a result of the fact that everybody is playing safe around the edges from the outside. And then you surprise them with something up the middle. What we saw on Sunday was the complete opposite of that. We saw him trying to ram up the middle. So then no one was really fearing the outside much. Uh, And then on the rare occasion that they did go outside with a pitch play with a little stunt or something, he had success, which is great, but it should be the other way around. We should be continually trying to force feed him the ball on the outside and let him let him do something with it, um, and then let Joshua Kelly kind of be the pounding force in the middle. Then every once in a while, switch it up to you know to fool people. I think that should be the role. Again, Eckler is the clear running back one, um, you know, and you've got a number two running back in Joshua Kelly there. But I think if we're looking at a, a distribution, I think Kelly probably should get about as many carries as Eckler does, but Eckler should way out touch him from a from a passing standpoint. So that's just kind of how I look at the two. You
2: know, I, I can see where you're coming from. I just think that doesn't matter about experience. Matter, it's situational football, but same as Dan, stick him out there as, as your RB1, get him running. I, don't take Ekelof off the field, exactly as you said, John. Um, but, don't run him up the middle. Let's, let's be more dynamic and let's get a better turn rotation of our players onto the field. We have the ability to get KJ Hill and Joe Reed more snaps. We have the ability to stick a traditional RB1 in Kelly on the field and say to your defences, respect the run. He can run over you and he's going to hit you into the mouth and onto the ground. Let's smash mouth football, which I know Lynn loves, but leave Eckler to get into space. Um, I want to see more creativity. I want to see Steichen step up and have jet sweeps. I want to see Geit and Guit and, and G-Money stretching the field long and then taking a breather. Um, I want to see more rotation. But RB1, Kelly, in a if we're talking about RB1 as that smash mouth running back, I'm all for. So let's see what happens in game two. He might take a step back. Um, but I think people will respect the run more if he's on the field when we have our running lineups and then play action comes into effect better. Um, So I hope that answers your question, JKP. I know there's a lot of love on Twitter for for Joshua Kelly. So um, you know he opens our show um, on this podcast. So we have a lot of love for him. Let's let's hope he has a great season and continues. Um, Last listener question, which there's a lot of opinion about. Um, To Rod, is it the answer or is it time for Herbert? Now, few people have weighed in on this Um, Josh from LA thinks it's Herbert time and doesn't think Torod was good enough for the Browns so why would he be good enough for us Um, ADM on Twitter thinks Herbert and Stick aren't good enough to replace him and we're stuck with Torod who might not necessarily be the answer this season but Finns on Twitter says Torod led the Bills to the playoffs with very few weapons so why can't he game manage um, and improve Uh, probably Rusty because of lack of preseason and first time ever being um, the Chargers QB1. So um, he's got pressure, a little bit of pressure on him. For me, I have a hat-eating prediction. You've all heard it. I think Justin Herbert is going to be our quarterback earlier than people expect. We all said he shouldn't play this season very early on, and I changed my tune. And I said he's either coming in week three if we lose the first three, Or at the very latest, after we get stuffed by the Saints in week five, we will see Justin Herbert come in and replace Turod. I don't think anything in that game against the Bengals disagrees with that opinion. I think he looked limited. But I'm going to contradict myself and say one key point. Anthony Lynn hates turnovers. Anthony Lynn wants to win the turnover game because he knew he had this Hall of Fame-bound quarterback in Rivers who could take you for 400 yards in a game and two touchdowns, three touchdowns. But at key moments would turn the ball over and lose you football games. Where did we see it last? Colts, Jaguars. It ruined his week because it screwed his prediction of Norton 16 <laughs> for those Jaguars. <laughs> so you can blame Rivers once again for that. But you know you have that talent and you let it go for a reason. You let Melvin Gordon go. Why? What did he do on his Broncos debut, guys? Fumble. He fumbled the
3: football.
2: Oh, did he fumble it? He's fumbled it. The donkey. He even got stuffed by <laughs> De Zuzma on the goal line, which I, I love. I like that donkey. He is a donkey, yeah. He is. But that is what Anthony Lynn doesn't want in his, on his football team. Tarod was made for Lynn. I said it in my article on com. He doesn't turn the ball over. He is conservative. That performance is probably on the low end of what Lynn wants, but... Hold on, we won the turnover battle 2-0, we won the game. The philosophy works. Anyone disagree with me?
0: Depends what hat you're wearing. And if you look at the week one victory over the Bengals, the offence did find a bit of momentum towards the end of the third and certainly the fourth quarter. Now, if you're the general manager, what is the aim for this season? Is it to settle Herbert in, get him used to playing uh, or being around the pro football setup, with a view to... Uh, making a run for the playoffs in 2021? Or does the Chargers, does Spanos demand success now? That's that's the that's the first question you've got to ask Tom Telesco as a general manager. If you're the fan, you just want to see good football. You want to see efficiency, you want to see uh, long drives, you want to see points on the board. But there are a number of different ways to win football games. And we've said on Twitter, we've spoke amongst ourselves... The defence cannot bail the offence out week in, week out. It's gonna be a disaster if that happens. But I think I think Tyrod gets at least at least half the season to show what he's made off. That's that's my honest opinion. And then you, you know, if, if we just say for example we're four and four midway through this season, where do we go from there? I, I suppose you have gonna you're gonna assess each game, how we lost those games, how we won those games, and then make that decision. I know it's a sitting on the fence answer, but I think it's, it's a quite a complex issue.
2: It is. And I think, Dan, I mean, you made the point. I think, was it last week where you said, you know, it, it, it's down to those three easy games that we should be winning? Exactly. Um, if we lose those, do you think he, that he's pulled and Herbert becomes QB? Um, I,
3: I think so. I think at that point, yes. Now, do I think it's time for Herbert now? No. Do I think Tyrod's the answer? No. Um, but he's going to have to do. But I've got a question for you. My white Herbert jersey was shipped this week. Will it arrive or will Herbert BQB1 which will happen first?
2: <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you. When did you order? I ordered mine um oh, oh, god, sometime in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, day one of mine hasn't arrived yet and um I'm waiting for it to come. And so mine it's, it's the this race week, of the so. I'm jealous. It's the race of the Herbert jerseys versus I love that question. Actually, we'll put it to Twitter which arrives first, Dan's jersey. I like it. Oh, you what, you guys
0: are brave buying a rookie jersey, a rookie quarterback jersey, I tell you that. I'm all of the Browns fans. Train.
2: Yes, we are. We're all aboard. Um, I love the question. Um, John Ayers, answer it. Go for it.
1: Oh, Um, Honestly, I I think that, again, he's going to have a pretty long leash. I agree with uh, what you've said already, that he is kind of what Lynn wants right now. He wants someone who's not going to turn the ball over. And as as much as we can get on the Justin Herbert hype train, um, I just... I just don't think that he's going to be able to come in and execute the more conservative style that Lynn wants. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a long leash, um, I think, for Terod. I just it really kind of depends on what this team is expecting themselves to do. If they think that they can keep winning with this very conservative type of play, then yeah. If they get to a point where either they're completely out of it or they just they feel like they just need more offense to get over the hump and maybe Herbert gets a shot. It, it's really going to be kind of de- depending on how the team views this season uh, and how they view Herbert development compared to, you know, each after each game and, and how he's looking. So I, I do think he's got a long leash. I think that you're probably not going to see Herbert, before maybe the bye week, I think, strategically. I know that's a long time to have Terod in there, so unless Terod really is bad, I mean, unless they drop the next six games, I, I just don't see this happening before at least the the break there for them, because then they can have two weeks to prepare Herbert for his first start, and I think that would make some sense. Um, it just It just doesn't seem like it's going to be... Something that happens earlier rather than later. I think that the offense also needs to kind of change a little bit. It is super conservative, and I think that part of the, part of the, what we were expecting as a as a fan base was to see more creativity and use some of the assets that Tarrod has. I mean, what's the point of having a quarterback who can use his legs to buy some time and use his legs to threaten the defense if you're not going to use them? I mean, they only they only I tracked the plays and they had 36 called. Passing mm-hmm. plays um, throughout the game. And of those 36 called passing plays, there was only a designed rollout, bootleg, whatever, getting him out of the pocket and moving six times. That's 17%. That's
2: yeah, not enough.
1: enough. Not enough. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, I don't know what the stats are for Philip Rivers. Obviously, you don't design too many of them, but they're, it just, you can't, you can't not use that function of it. You know, they did, they did do play action on about 11 of those plays, so that's 30%. But I just I just don't think that the offense was really keyed in to really accentuate what he can bring to the table. And I think the offense was too close to what they ran previously with Phil Rivers, which is why are you gonna have Tara Taylor running a Philip Rivers style offense? That doesn't make any sense. That's not his strong suit, you know. If he's not gonna be accurate thrown from the pocket, which he wasn't, and he's never really been the most accurate passer, then get him out of the pocket get your receivers more time to be more wide open so it's easier for him to make those throws. So I don't know. I, I, I think he's got a long leash. I think this offense has um, is going to make some changes to move more in that direction and get more movement out of it. And I think he's going to settle in and I think he's going to have some better games ahead of him. So I just don't think you're going to see Herbert very soon, if at all.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I thought one of the themes of the game was not doing exactly what you've said, which is getting Tyrod into space, out of the pocket, Moving the dynamics of the defense, the O line, etc. So, I agree with you there. Um, guys, that puts to bed week one. We are one and oh, we move on to week two. Come with me on a journey as we enter, sponsored by Was Water, sweep week part one. Putting your prediction on the line, Was, that we are going to sweep the Chiefs this year. And this is the first part of it. It all crumbles. Your integrity is shot if it doesn't happen. So no pressure, mate. Um, so let's give a, a, a preview. Um, it's one of the biggest games of the season already. It's a home opener at some stadium in LA, SoFi Stadium, that, you know, is our house. Screw you rams with your bananas on your helmet. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm going to throw out some, some topics so we can um, preview this game. Um, And I'm going to start with a simple question. How can our D, which was dominant in week one, stop Mahomes and his offense? Is it
1: possible, John? I mean, technically they kind of have already. Uh, Well, maybe not stop, but contain. I I don't know, given what Andy Reid is able to put onto the field from an offensive scheme standpoint, and given what kind of versatility you have with Patrick Mahomes as QB... Given the elite speed and talent of Tyreek Hill, and of course the danger that is Clyde edwards hilaire I think all of those make this such an explosive offense that you're not looking to stop that offense. You're not looking to hold them in their tracks. Um, I, I don't know if that's possible. I think what you're hoping to do is minimize the damage and just kind of slow them down enough to keep it close. Um, and I think they can. You know, I think that one of the one of the best ways to help your secondary cover is to get pressure on the quarterback. And I think that the chargers showed in week one, that they are an elite team at getting pressure on the quarterback. I think that they will be able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to be harder to take down than Joe Burrow was um, because that's kind of been his MO. And I think that you're going to see some, probably some gash plays out there because he's going to be able to get out of the pocket, make a weird throw from behind his back and his eyes closed while sipping some of Gatorade, um, and he's going to be able to make a completion that's absolutely bananas, crazy. But I think we're going to be able to kind of slow him down a little bit. We have in the past, um, the last two seasons, uh, going against Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers have done a pretty good job at keeping um, the offense from scoring too many points. It's really killed us, I, if, if I can you know, remember correctly, is that I think we're averaging at least one defensive score, uh, maybe not defensive score, but defensive-related score from a short field per game against them. And that's an average and it's not the games where we're, we're talking two, two to three interceptions on their side of the field to give them a short field. And that's going to kill us. So I think if we minimize the, the short fields, we put our defense on, I think they can contain the offense and contain Patrick Mahomes enough to keep it within range.
2: Dan, can we stop them? Is, you know, can, can we achieve this? Can we?
3: Yes. Um, will we? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely. Um, I think what John said is 100%. It's, it's containment. Um, contain and control um, is is the key for us here. If we can limit the movement of Mahomes, um, make him think, make him throw to those speedsters, um, then, then we, we're in with a good shot. Uh, we may need the younger guys in the secondary to step up because um, you're not going to be expecting... Uh, lightning speed from Casey Hayward and Chris Harris. Um, But I I think there's a possibility that we can. Uh, I think you'll need to see as well the linebacker core um, just stay solid um, because you spend too much time focusing on stopping the run with the big guys up front, taking away the deep passes, and you let Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey just dominate. Um, So I, I think as long as everyone plays their part, we've got as good as chance as anyone. What about you, John? Well, if you actually look at it, there's,
0: there's quite a few comparables between these two sides. The difference maker, though, is Pat Mahomes. Now, Mahomes and Tyrod both had grades in the 60s uh, from PFF.com. However, grades don't necessarily win games. Pat Mahomes put his team into scoring positions, three passing touchdowns in week one. And, and that's a difference. I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. I thought the Texans looked quite poor uh, on Thursday night. Very poor. You know, yeah. JJ Watt, an absolutely phenomenal football player. Arguably one of my favourites. Um, is he in the kind of form that Melvin and Joey Bosa are in? I, I'm not so sure. You know, we've got, we've got Linval Joseph up the middle wreaking havoc. And I think it's just about getting as much pressure... On Pat Mahomes as we possibly can, and we, we're not going to get away with it all because he will make plays, he will extend plays with his feet, he'll move the chains through the air. He's got some phenomenal weapons, um, but it's about starting that. You know, for that, from, so that ball snapped. That's where it all happens. And if we can disrupt Pat, you know, in, in the pocket, I think that's going to be the key to victory uh, for myself. But we, we can absolutely stop them. If you look, if you look historically as well, Gus Bradley. Look at that phenomenal, phenomenal job we did in the playoffs against um, the Ravens. And John's already spoken about it. We have contained Pat Mahomes. I think we've held him to his two lowest uh, career uh, totals. Um, so there's something in that. So that's going to give you uh, an element of um, of uh, positiveness. You know, we've 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 got to just play to our strengths. We're a top three or four ranked defence in the NFL on paper. Uh, if we play like it, if we cut out the penalties, you don't want to see any neutral zone infractions or anything like that. Anything mm-hmm. silly that's going to trip us up, which has in the past, discipline. That's going to be the key because I'm, I'm, part of me thinks that the Chiefs are sat on WhatsApp now, you know, in their little team groups laughing. They're going to put 50 on the charges. You you read half the, burger. yeah you, burger. you you read off the reports, half the uh, analysts out there. If not all of them have already written the charges off, well, we might as well just go home, shall we? Um, go back to our locker room. If you think for one minute that the leaders and the head coach is going to allow the chief to come into our building and just take the W without a fight, people are sorely mistaken.
2: In our first ever game, there correct. As well.
0: I mean John brought up a, a great point about uh Clyde Edward Hare, you know, 25 carries 138 yards in week 1. He's the hot favorite for the rookie of the year candidate and he's a great talent. Now a great matchup for me is going to be him and Kenneth Murray. Two rookies and you know there's going to be a bit of swagger there, a bit of uh point scoring between both players. Let's see our Edwards Hilaire comes up against Kenneth Murray down the field. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch.
2: Yeah, I'll be watching that. Um, I worry. I think certain in our secondary needs to step up. So I wasn't impressed with Casey Hayward this week against the Bengals. I felt that they targeted him, and I know Greed back healthy after his long rest is a challenge. But I didn't think he was up to the task. I didn't think that he was the Casey Hayward of old. Apart from a few bright flashes on particular snaps, I thought that he gave too much ground, too much of a cushion. And Burrow went, all right, I don't care about your reputation. I'm after you. Um, If Casey is Casey Hayward of week one, he will get eaten alive by Mahomes. I think he needs to step up, and I think Nazir Adley needs to step up. Um, Burrow th- had a few long shots towards the end zone where he overthrew his man, but Nazir Adley was nowhere to be seen, so he's going to have to work on that and be in and around the ball. Um, we're going to have to be on it, aren't we? We're going to have to shut them down. Yeah. Um, we can do it, especially with that front dominating, our front D-line dominating their O-line. Um, I think you told me earlier, was that, that their centre... Is it Treta or Re- Re- no, Austin? Not um, questionable. Austin Rita, yeah, he's questionable. So we've got to hope for some gaps in their team. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'll be watching the same matchup. You are Kenneth Murray. Go and hit him. At- Go and say hello To be fair, if he if he goes off against the Chargers, I will win my fantasy league. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, w- this week. But, um, but one thing that we got-
0: we need to look at as well, and this is not clutching at straws. This is fact. Anyone that's done any arduous PT in a hot climate will know. That it gasses you out. Now, the weather forecast on Sunday is going to be in the 80s, OK? What was it in Kansas City last week? Minus 10 or something daft like that. If you think back to, was it 2015 or the 16 season when the Seahawks came down to San Diego? They absolutely... Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, they, they, were they, they, they were hiding. They were hiding the shelters, tables. Yeah. You know? call us out this, on the sideline. I, I, I don't yeah. care what anybody says. This is a factor. If you don't prepare and they are not going to get acclimatised, that's a fact. This is a factor, OK? This is why... You know, um, teams that go to World Cups or Olympic squads, they go and acclimatise six to eight weeks before the tournament begins. Chiefs ain't getting that; they're getting twenty-four hours. You, you know, and th- there will be people there. I, I am really surprised in the NFL, pro athletes at all to drink. You should, but you should have water
2: strapped to your side. Stop trying to push your sponsorship. Cool
0: water, guys. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's going to be a factor. But um, high-powered offense. Okay, was
2: hey, look. You're, you're bigging up your big sweep. Right, yep. you, you you are laying it on the ground. You think you are the only one of us, I think, who has this down as a victory for the Chargers. Yeah, um, we've talked about the defense stopping Mahomes. How on earth are we going to score any points? Where are they going to come from? I think the running game is going to be key. Believe it or
0: not, that the the Chiefs linebackers uh, weren't great against the Texans. Um, it's an area that they've got to improve on. Um, Texans average five point four yards a carry. Okay, hundred eighty yards rushing they allowed last week. The Chiefs we had 155 yards rushing uh, against the uh, Bengals. Now we've got to get we've got to incorporate Eckler. We've, we've we've got to extend plays out wide. Um, I was really impressed with with Eckler Williams and unto Henry when they when Tyra actually found them through the air. Their catching was excellent. Again, just being disciplined. Making sure that when we're in short yard situations, I mean fourth and inches, and we couldn't convert. Come yeah, on, we've he got to be better than that. that. Was he? No, we, no, it's unacceptable. And then we we put ourselves into a position in the red zone. That's that's an issue for me. Our, our red zone um, conversions. Once we get into that sort of 50, you know 20, 15, 10 yards from the Chiefs' line, we've got to be converting that. And you you fully expect the Chiefs to be doing that. So we need to be a lot better. And I think Tyrod's going to be sat there beating himself up this week. And I just hope to God that Steichen and Tyrod and the rest of the defence have been working their tails off to make sure that we're a bit more fluid and we've got the football. But it comes down to uh, discipline. And there's seldom point in the defence getting Mahomes off the field if we just can have a three and out. Because the first quarter, it was three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, look, every team's got a soft underbelly. Um... And I think we we can, despite being an eight point five uh, underdog, I think we can win this by at least a point.
2: John, John Ayers, put this giddy kipper in his place and tell him how we can't score points. Or do you think someone like Kelly's going to run over him?
1: <laughs> well, obviously, you know, I think Kelly's going to run over the entire team. Um, but uh, you know, I think that. Was touched on some really hot button issues there. I think the red zone offense needs to be better. You can't, you can't leave points on the board and three red zone attempts only coming away with one touchdown is not going to do it against the chiefs. You're going to have to score a touchdown pretty much every time you get down there. You know, they need to figure out what they want to do down there. It's not looking at, looking at the play calls down there. There's some suspect things again, not playing to your quarterback strengths. Something that um, we saw Happen with the Patriots and Cam Newton, uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson had, had a play like this or two. Um, but basically what we're seeing is we're seeing teams with mobile quarterbacks understanding, hey, if we can get the, the defense going one way by, you know, doing a play action bootleg type thing going one way and then roll out the quarterback the other way, he can trot into the end zone without really a whole heck of a lot of issue. And I think that that is definitely something that the Chargers need to look into. I mean, heck... You know, three three red zone trips, and I don't think we had a single designed run for Tyrod in any of those trips. Why not? You know, set up a play action, set up Eckler to dive up the middle, roll him out to the right or left, and he should have some opportunity to, you know, at least try to sneak it in from there. Not not ran, ramming him up the middle. That's not effective. I mean, heck, Tom Brady had a rushing touchdown. Are you kidding me? We can't get Tyrod into the end zone, and friggin' Tom Brady has a rushing touchdown? Give me a break. I think that's one thing. I think, again some of the designed play calls are not great. That, that, that second and goal fade to Mike Williams. I'm, I'm sorry. First of all, the end zone fade is like the worst play ever. I don't care how good and athletic your receiver is. That play is just so, especially with the rules now that you can push them out of bounds uh, while they're still in the air. And if they land out of bounce, it's, it's incomplete. Like, that is just, it is such a bad play. They should never call it. I can't play, especially with a quarterback who's having accuracy issues like Tyrod. Like, stop calling plays like that. Call a quick slant. Why is Hunter Henry not slant or or, or Keenan Allen doing a quick, you know, two yard, then quick slant or quick burst or quick post uh, there? You know, why why are you trying to jam Austin Eckler up the middle when you could have JK going up the middle or even, how about this for a crazy idea? You know, put Austin Eckler there in the slot have Justin Kelly there in the middle and then have him, you know, fake the handoff and throw a quick little screen to him in the slot and let him kind of get to the middle. I mean, there's a lot of creative things that they just did not do. And that personally scares me because this red zone offense needs to succeed if they're going to win. I think the defense is going to put, is going to give them opportunities to be to score I think there's going to be a few different short fields or field changes that's going to happen because of a defensive play and I think that this team needs to capitalize on offense if they're going to do that I think they need to really really step up from that vanilla boring conservative safe offense that they ran against the Bengals and maybe it was week one maybe it's because it's the Bengals they didn't want to show their hand I don't know that's I, maybe I'm grasping at straws here but they need to put something way more creative and way more effective out on the board or they're going to get blown out you're just as simple as that. They're going to get blown out.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think touching on some of your points there, John, about being less predictive. It's something we spoke about in previous podcasts about, about the 2019 charges, but looking across the league, that <laughs> there was a lot of this, uh, in, in week one. And, uh, you know, we've already mentioned it umpteen times about the lack of preparation, but it's not an excuse. Um, they, they've got to, they've got to come up with something different. Um, because, like you said, it's going to end in tears otherwise.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of want to just agree with what John was saying about um, getting the play-action going. Um, I, I I might be alone here, but I don't really care for the Chiefs' secondary. Um, it's here Matthew, of course. Great player.
0: Excellent player. But
3: beyond that, I, I'm not a Daniel Sorensen fan, um, and the the rest of them I, I could take or leave um, so if we can if we can get Kelly more involved running up the middle make them think we're running it up the middle with Kelly and just yeet it down the field to Mike Williams I think we've got a chance to open them up with chunk plays I love that <laughs> um, we we need chunk plays they're going to be they're going to be chunking down the field we're going to need big plays now I don't know if Tyrod's going to be able to do that but we at least have to try something because we can't just yeah. have more of the same.
0: Yeah. We already spoke about our, how good our offensive line was. And, and, you know, we're facing Chris Jones and Frank Clark, uh, on Sunday. Clark had a great game against the Texans. Uh, Titus Howard struggled in week one against him and Chris Jones, you know, um, already got his, uh, First sack
2: of the season. One of my favourite players yeah, in the league. Yeah, excellent. Just, I, I,
0: think uh, I think I was surprised when, when the Chiefs allowed uh, Justin Houston to go. I think they had a an absolute formidable pass rush unit there. But Jones is an absolute beast. And it's going to be up to the likes of our um, veterans, uh, uh, Belaga, to uh, contain Jones. So it's going to be an interesting mm-hmm. matchup. up uh, It really is.
2: Yeah, well, do you, if Pouncey's fit... Who do what do you do? I, I mean, I would shuffle him to to left guard, but that means. You know you know, what? I love you Lamp is no, on bench. I, I
0: stay with what we stay with the, the the same front five as we had on on Sunday. For for this for this offense, that's that's my take. Unless Trey Turner's
1: healthy. Yeah, let's 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 slow down on on, on the line love. The uh, let's let's not forget that the Bengals yes they do have a serviceable serviceable D line when healthy but GJ Reeder only played three quarters of the game uh, it was it Gino Atkins didn't play Carlos Dunlap was he was okay but he wasn't you know he wasn't his he didn't look hundred percent like it's they weren't exactly playing against an elite defensive line and I don't know if any of the players on the Bengals defensive line scare me like some of the guys on on the Chiefs defensive line can so I I think we need to settle down and but realize they, they, they did a
0: They've played 30 minutes of football together. You know, um, you start bringing people in, it's like, well, we've got miscommunication. I don't know, it's, it's, it's food for thought, and thankfully I'm not the one that's making that call on, on Sunday morning.
1: I would be comfortable with, if Pouncey is not going to play, don't rush him back. I thought Feeney did a great job at centre, and mm-hmm. I think... Lamp grew into his role and I think if you can get Turner back on right guard then your right guard left guard and then your two tackles Balaga and Tevi I think they could carry the load uh you know a big thing that people keep talking about how you know how much they were impressed by the offensive line that's great and all but you also have to remember that they switched to a much run heavier um play calling scheme in the second half and that you know the 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 run blocking was a lot better than the pass blocking so if you're going to beat the Chiefs it's not going to be running the ball. I'm sorry. You're going to no, have to the pass ball it as down well. that field. Yeah, exactly. So I just, yeah, I, I just don't think that that offensive line is necessarily the best offensive line for protecting the quarterback and run, and running your offense. So that's why I think you, you definitely mm-hmm. want to get Turner back in there. And you know, yeah, Pouncey's healthy. Pouncey's so, still good. And I think Feeney's a better pass blocker right now than Lamp is. So I would rather have Pouncey, Feeney on the left and Turner on the right. Same as me. You, you know, but I wouldn't. But I'm not as concerned after seeing the performance week one. I guess that's what I'm saying here. You I'm, know that
0: something's would... going down in this game. There's going to be a BS call on one of the teams. Um, you, you know it's going to happen. This is not going to be uh, sixty minutes of football where there's no incidents. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's ejected from this game because I think I think Temple's will be flared. Let's let's be honest. It's, it's week two, but somebody's losing their uh, undefeated record.
2: You and won't. you know, we are, if we, if we can't get our team up for the first ever game is so far we can never get them up for a game. So I th- I agree. I think it should be high intensity, um, and I think the ultimate key. I trust our defense. I think we, you know, when you play Pat Mahomes, it isn't about shutting him out or keeping him below twenty. It's be- keeping him below thirty and outscoring him. The, um, the cheats, And the I che- think we need, I think we need Eckler and Tir- Tirod in space running. You know, lure him in in the early part of the game with Kelly, and then get it into the hands of people that can have yak yak yak. Which I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the yards after the catch. Um the, So you know, the Chiefs are not going to base from.
0: their defense on the tape that they saw in week one because they know yeah. that we play a lot. We can't play or should be playing a lot better than that. And if they, if you know, if um, if if they base. Their defensive scheme. What they saw. Well, they're, they're too professional. They're, they're not Super Bowl champions for nothing. They no. won't. But uh, we, we've missed a, a player that played at a, a cracky game for the Chiefs in week one. Legarius Sneed, the rookie. Uh, two pass uh, deflections. You know, he, he should even been playing, but he uh, he came in and did a nice job. So he'll be one to watch as well.
2: Well, I'm going to give my massive number one thing. That the ultimate thing. The probably I actually think the only thing that matters. Number one, to beat the Chiefs, you have to wrap up and tackle. If we don't hit, tackle, stop, we will lose. Did you see the list of yards per running back on the opening Sunday of NFL? The number one was... I can't even say his name. How do you say his name? Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Hilaire, Hilaire, yeah. Thank you. Edwards Hilaire's running was number one. 100-odd yards. And then you took his yards after contact, and that was number two before any other running back in the Did NFL. Did you see
0: the Texans tackling, you might as well put he me was, in he, there without any pads he and a... helmet on. <laughs> I tell you so now. The Texans should should be handing all their week salary into charity
3: because that's shocking. It looked like it looked like they'd taken tackling tips from Jaleel Adai. It
0: was horrendous. Ooh. There's no excuse well, for um, that.
2: I, I tell you what, it looked like, like uh Edward Hilaire was slippery like a raindrop.
1: i can't even right right now stop it it. (laughs) Um, Uh, i will say that i will say one thing on that it's it's not just the tackling it's the chiefs the reason that i think the chargers have had success recently against the chiefs is because what the chiefs really thrive on are splash plays they they really have made their name for scoring points quickly through big plays, whether it's Hill over the top, whether it's a dump off to the running back or whatever, you know, it, it's really that's, and the Chargers, you say what you want about Gus Bradley and not blitzing enough or at all, um, you know, and what kind of defenses they throw out that are kind of vanilla defenses that just let the, the defenders play their game. But it's all about limiting the big plays. And that's why I think that they've had success against Kansas city. Cause if Kansas city, if you're not missing tackles, if you're not giving up those big breakaway plays, Kansas city can look kind of average on offense. Mm, Yeah. So I think that for me, the biggest key is easily that is limit the big plays. If they can limit them to one or two big plays, I think that's going to help keep the game close and that'll help keep it within reach. Yeah. Agreed.
2: I love it guys. You know, we've, We've summed it up perfectly. Very excited for the uh, Chargers debut at our house, uh, SoFi Stadium. Um, we will be reviewing that game next week, um, celebrating it, or his victory in predictions. Yes. Or rubbing his nose in it as we make him eat his hat and the sweep is off. So um, <laughs> the sweep part one is still very much alive. Guys, thank you for your time. Where are you on the socials?
0: You didn't ask for score predictions.
2: Did I not? No. Go on I thought we already had them from uh, from when we did the... Uh... Good, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> 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 uh, what do you want?
0: Socials or score predictions?
2: Throw, throw out your score predictions if you want. 20, so, guys, what's, um... 21, 20. guys What? 21-20. Guys, what are your score predictions?
1: 21-20. Who wins? Who to? <laughs>
0: <It's> the Chargers. <laughs> oh,
1: John? Um, I'm going to say probably 24-13 Chiefs.
3: Dan? Um, I'm not optimistic. Um, I I think I've predi- uh, predicted on a previous episode that we'd go 34-23 to the Chiefs.
2: I think so, yeah. And I'm 35-0 to the Chiefs. Can you just uh, all
3: confirm your postal addresses
0: uh, after the podcast? I'm going to send you all a white flag. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Look at it, Mr. Mr. Sweet. Behavior. I can't wait.
2: to. Can't wait. But the only thing that I'll be happy about if we lose uh, <laughs> is giving you a bit of stick. Guys, where can we find you on the socials?
1: At Enzone 85 You can find me at Adroid Airs hashtag AudibleChocolate. You can also find me at Kellyforpresident.com. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you'll find me over at UKLA Chargers.
2: I'm at Bez the Spaniard and the podcast is at Charged Up Pod. We tweet live through the games. We rant, we rave, you get memes, we ask for your questions. So come and get involved. Thank you so much for the listeners that voted online, that got in touch with us with the questions, the comments, um, and joined us on the Joshua Kelly bandwagon that is fully steaming right at the Chiefs in s- as we sweep them this week in SoFi Stadium. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.
0: Can you just uh, all confirm your postal addresses uh, after the podcast? I'm going to send you all a white flag.